Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of Huntsville Young Adult Podcast. I am your host, John Lemons, the minister to young adults at First Baptist Church of Huntsville, Alabama. This is episode three of season four of our podcast. This series is called The Bible, the Body, and the Brain. And it was a summer Bible study series that we did as a young adult group at large for all of our Sunday morning Bible studies. So a lot of what you'll be hearing will be what was recorded in the room each week. You'll hear me start off with a brief opening to introduce today's topic, which is on aging. And we'll address how we do that well. What are the things that we experience as we go through it? What are things that are particular to our culture as we age? And what does the Bible have to say about all of this? This is a topic that is of interest to me for two reasons. One, because I've gone through it, or (laughs) maybe I'm going through it. I don't know. I don't want to be too hubristic and come across like I've arrived or something like that. But I've had some personal experience with this. And the other reason that I wanted to talk about it is because I've been here at this church on this staff for seven years, and I've seen young adults go through this as well. So if you're 25, you're probably thinking, I don't need to hear this. Why are we talking about this? This isn't going to happen to me. But if you're 35, I would bet that you'll probably listen to this and think, I can feel this. I can feel it approaching and approaching fast. After I talk, you'll hear me and some others who have walked through this answer some questions and share our own thoughts. I'll also offer one caveat about today's recording. We had some audio issues, so it's going to start abruptly. You don't really miss much at the beginning. I'll start out talking about what I shared before, about what interested me in this topic. And then what I ended up doing in the room was talking about some confirmation I received about it with a book called How God Works by David DeSteno. And that's kind of where the recording will pick up. But I'll talk about how in the book, DeSteno, he's just talking about the effect that religion has on our lives. Purely from a scientific and health standpoint, he's not arguing about whether it's true or not, just the effect that it has. And One of the things that he mentions is the U-shape of happiness, where sociologists have found that happiness sort of bottoms out for people in their 40s, at least in our culture, before it rebounds at the end of life. And so as the episode begins, you'll hear me talking about that. And as always, I'll provide quotes and links and whatever else in the show notes that you can review on your own. The episode also will end abruptly because we went long while we were in the room and our media team had to transition over to our worship services. So you won't hear any audience Q&A this particular time, but I still hope and think that you'll find our conversation around this topic fruitful. So with all that said, here's episode three of the Bible, the body, and the brain on aging. Really approaching whether or not it's true or anything like that. He's he's purely approaching it scientifically. What are the benefits? What are the the things that the ways that they impact people? He might I would say he'd probably even say what are the evolutionary advantages of having some sort of belief system, belief structure. So it's a purely scientific approach to it, and just what is the benefit to humankind as a result of this. But reading that book started this kind of whole series for me and really wanted me to address everything that we've talked about so far. And really the thing that hit me the most was this quote that he, sh- he shares in that book. And he says, data from across the world shows the effects of the storm. Wherever you look, people's happiness across the lifespan follows a U-shaped curve. 
with its nadir occurring right around age 50. Happiness starts to decline in the late 30s and early 40s, bottoming out between the late 40s and early 50s before beginning to rise again from the late 50s into the 70s and 80s. At that point, people's happiness tracks show a good deal of variability that depends on whether and when serious health issues arise. A similar pattern is revealed by antidepressant use. Data from 27 European nations documenting the consumption of these drugs shows a hill-shaped pattern across the same ages. Antidepressant use starts increasing in the mid-20s, peaks in the late 40s, and then drops through the 60s and 70s. In fact, the data make clear that people are three times more likely to take antidepressants around the age of 50 than around the ages of 20 or 80. So that was what started this for me, the idea of the U-shaped, because as I was reading that, I was like, that's exactly what I feel like I went through in my late 30s. It was something I felt, but I, I wasn't sure I could really express. And what I would say about that time of your life Maybe you've gone through it. Maybe you're about to go through it. Maybe you're going through it now. But I, I started to describe it as what I, what I call a, a season of loss. So you get to a point where as you're approaching midlife, it's, it's a season of loss and you're dealing with the loss of various things. And it can be tangible things. It can be intangible things. It can be the loss of your own youth, realizing that you're not as young as you once were. We've talked about that a little bit. It can be if you have kids, the loss of their youth, realizing like they're not the little kids they once were. You're not carrying them around anymore. They're not needing you as much as they used to do. Uh, if you started out in life in adulthood, 22, 25, whatever, a lot of people start out at that age and you get your first home or your first apartment, you get a pet. By the time you approach age 40, you start dealing with the loss of that pet that you've probably had some attachment to you start dealing in midlife with the loss of your dreams realizing that your career is not what you thought it would be uh it's not turning out the way that you wanted it to be or the way that you wanted it to so you start dealing with that even you start dealing with the loss of your health you know the realizing that there are things i need to pay attention more now than i than i have in the past you start dealing with the loss potentially of your parents or, or their health. Um, so that's something that you walk through. And so it's just this this season, like I said, of loss, where you're just dealing with things that are changing, things that have always been constants in your life that are no longer all of a sudden constant. And it's not bad, not always bad. It's just, it's just different. So like for me, I envision parenthood being having some boys and coaching them in baseball and playing catch in the front yard. And I had daughters and I coached them in softball and they hated it. And now they're in music and theater, which are worlds I don't know. And it just, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. And that's not to say that it's bad. It's just not what I thought. And so that was a, that was a loss that I experienced. It's something that I expected that I just had to let go of my career. Like, I didn't dream to be the young adult pastor at First Baptist Hospital. That's not to say that it's bad. It's just not where I thought I'd be. And so you have, you come to terms with things like that. And hear me say, like, I love my job. I love what I do. I hope you all love me doing it. But it's just different. And so you you just get to this time in this season where you just realize you have to let things go. You ha you're dealing, like I said, with loss. And so I 
I read this quote from How God Works, and for me, it was just like, yes, like I've, I've experienced that, I've gone through that, and I wondered if it's resonated with me, would it with others? And I began kind of sharing this theory with people and just asking them, hey, was this your experience too? And what I found is it's not universal, but it is ubiquitous. So it is widespread. It is common. It is something a lot of people work through. Not everybody works through it, but it is something that is very common. So I have news for you. If you thought high school was bad, if you're approaching your 40s, it's going to get worse. Uh, so here are some, some you know, th- there were studies that, that have come out about this very recently, about this U-shape idea. They've determined that around age 47 is where you hit like rock bottom. Uh, and so this is kind of the, the, the point where things bottom out and then you start to come back up on the other side. Now, a lot of these studies that were done came out at the beginning part of the year 2020 before COVID. And so now there are studies coming out that are saying, hey, the, the U-shape may be not be true. Uh, you might not actually come all the way up the other side, but that might be the effect of COVID. So generally speaking, at least pre-COVID, there was a U-shape. We'll see what happens. That's up to you. Uh, But no, like, again, this is ubiquitous. It's widespread, all right? So we're talking about happiness, bottoming out age 70 or age 47. Uh, Number number of antidepressant prescriptions reaches its peak in the 40s. Uh, you see, I don't know if you could see the paper there. The pro- probability of, I have highlighted there, the probability of antidepressant use is greatest among those who are middle-aged, female, unemployed, poor, poorly educated, and divorced or separated. A heel-shaped pattern, age pattern is found. So again, antidepressant use peaks in your 40s. I have seen divorce steadily increase among people in their 40s the people most likely for divorce statistically are people in their first or second year of marriage but i just in what my own personal experience what i've seen with friends family i've never seen that i have seen a lot of people get 10 15 years into the marriage and and just say i can't do this anymore so it's it's steadily increasing and you'll see divorce on the left hand statistic there among those ages 40 to 49 it's, it's gone up since 1990, 14%. It's declined among those 25 to 39. And then among those over 50, it's increased 109%, more than doubled. So it's, it's steadily rising. We're seeing that as well. The newest at-risk group for suicide is middle-aged men. And people talk about the loneliness that men are experiencing these days. The bottom-hand uh, picture there is from... a. a a professor named Anthony Bradley, he talks about, uh, and he's not saying this from a from a bad point of view, but he says the the pursuit and the emphasis that's been made in our society lately on things like equality and access has had a uh, what's the word I'm looking for an unintended consequence on on men and men's only spaces. Now, he's not saying that's bad. He's not saying it's bad to give people equality. It's bad to give people access. He's a black man. So like he's, he would say that's go- those are good things, but the unintended consequences of that have been that there have been things that normally were spaces that like men knew they could have uh, and go and, and be with other men. 
those are slowly eradicating. So we're, we're finding that men are more and more lonely. Now, men didn't always handle that healthily. He would he would admit that too. Like we, we sometimes didn't handle that well. And those sometimes would breed toxic masculinity and things like that. But clearly the evidence is showing that we're not handling the elimination of those places well as well. So again, this is just kind of the reality of what we're going through. And then we don't talk about it as a culture. We make jokes about it. Like we make jokes about midlife crises. We make jokes about the men who are walking through this and their desire to get sports cars or their desire to get, you know, Harleys or whatever. We make jokes like this is my 19th anniversary of my 21st birthday. It's just not something we handle well as a culture. Would you agree with me? So we don't talk about it well. Listen. You guys should have been with me as I asked people to be on panels. Like, hey, do you want to be a panel on physical health? Yes. Mental health? Sure. The resurrection? Absolutely. Do you want to be on a panel about aging? Why are you asking me? That's what I got pretty much every time. It's just something we don't handle well. It's something where nobody looks forward to once you get past 21, 25. But I think by not knowing and admitting how widespread it is, we we make it more disorienting for those who are walking through it, for those who are experiencing it. And you might be thinking, I'm not experiencing this. I'm not going through it. I didn't experience this when I, when I was that age or whatever. And some of you may not resonate with this at all. Some of you may say, I'm not feeling this. This doesn't sound familiar to me, but maybe your spouse or your friend or your parent is going through it. If some of you are, are, really young, you're in college or you're just out of college and this is a long way off for you and it is, but believe me, it comes faster than than you think it will. But if you have parents in their 40s and 50s, they're probably walking through this or they probably just have some, like I said, some of you think it's just so far off, it's not going to happen to you, but I'm telling you, it's it's not universal, but it is widespread. It is ubiquitous. So, so it is going to be, if you don't experience it, it is going to be something that people around you experience, I think. So what do you do? When you or someone you love are, are going through this, when you're there, one of the things I would encourage you to do is to talk about it. So here's a quote uh, from John Piper on grief. Uh, there's not a lot that I like from him, but I do like some. And, and this is one that I really like. And that's how much this, this quote resonates with me. But he says, occasionally, weep deeply over the life that you hoped would be. Grieve the losses, feel the pain, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life that he's given you. So again, it's widespread. It's something that people generally experience. Here's Kate Bowler, who tweeted just about this last week, and here's what she's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it back here because I can see it better, because I'm aging. Uh, a blessing for the life you didn't choose. Blessed are you when the shock subsides, when vaguely you see a line appear that divides before and after. You didn't draw it. You can barely even make it out. But as surely as minutes add up to hours and days, here you are, forced into a story you never would have written. Blessed are you in the tender place of wonder and dread, wondering how to be whole when dreams have disappeared and part of you with them, where mastery, control, determination, bootstrapping, and grit are consigned to the realm of before, where most of the world lives. In the fever dream that promises infinite choices, unlimited progress, best life now. Blessed are we in the after, loudly shouting, is there anybody here? We hear the echo, the shuffle of feet, the murmur of others, asking the same question, together in the knowledge that we are far beyond what we know. 
Show us a glimmer of possibility in this new constraint that small truths will be given back to us. We are held. We are safe. We are loved. We are loved. We are loved. And best of all, we are not alone. If you've experienced this, you know exactly what she's talking about. And you, I hope, feel the, the sense of hope and relief maybe those words give you. So what does the Bible have to say about all of this? I want to look at that together with you, and, and I'll give you a little bit of a caveat. The Bible doesn't say a lot about aging. and doesn't really talk about it directly, but I think it does give us examples that we can look to and that we can, um, we can use to help us walk through this. So Psalm 90, verses 3 through 6 and verse 10. You turn people back into dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Our days may come to seventy years or eighty if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Depressing. How about this one? Ecclesiastes 12, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now, while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to illustrate this just by saying like, even in the Bible, people experienced this and people shared it. People talked about it. So again, the idea that you're not alone, this may, this may not be universal, but it is ubiquitous. So if you're experiencing this or if you're about to walk through it, know that it's, it's not uncommon and know that you're not the only one going through it. And people have been going through it for centuries and walking through it. The other thing, let's talk about it. Let's, uh, let, let's benefit others through it. So this is Paul writing to the Philippians. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Paul's talking about this. He goes on to close Philippians by saying, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And a lot of times we use this quote 
out of context to say like, I can do anything. I can conquer anything. I can score touchdowns or whatever. But what he's talking about here, I can do all this. This is what he's talking about. He goes on in in Philippians chapter two to say, have the same mindset of Jesus who considered equality with God, nothing to be grasped, but took on human form and the nature of a servant. And you know, the passage that's what he's talking about. He goes on the rest of Philippians to talk about how he's done that and Timothy's done that and Epaphroditus has done that and even the church in, in Philippi has done that. And he's saying we do this through the strength of, of Christ. And the reason I bring that up is to say this. God's a God of the U-shape. The death of Jesus is the bottom of the U. The resurrection is the other side of it. We are people of the U-shape. And when you've gone through that bottom of the you and come out on the other side you do that for the benefit of others so if you're going through that if you've been through it talk about it benefit others through it thirdly hebrews chapter 10 uh, we'll, we'll skip to verse 25 let let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near in james 1 27 Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So I want to talk for a moment about this, just a moment, the the reality and the the command Scripture gives us to meet together, to enjoy community with one another. The reason why the Bible emphasizes so much orphans and widows is because in that society, there was no life insurance. There were no safety nets in society. If you were a widow or an orphan, you had absolutely no family. Your safety net was your family. And if you didn't have a family, like a widow or an orphan, you had no safety net. And so the command that the earliest Christians had was to to treat one another like family, particularly those who have no family. And some of us in this room, were not widows and orphans formally, but we may be functionally. We may be people who our family is, is distant, either geographically or maybe even emotionally or something to that effect. But like I said, functionally, we may be those who are without family. So I think it is incumbent upon us to look for those among us who are functionally widows and orphans. And yes, widows and orphans literally as well, but functionally those without family to help them, to help them seek community and to seek it ourselves as we walk through this, to talk with others and to talk about this and to benefit others through it. We do that through Bible studies. We do that through our guys' nights, our girls' nights, our large group outings and things like that. I want to talk a little bit more about this in a panel with some of my friends, if you'll welcome them. Christina Hearns coming up, John Holloway, and Kristen Brazad. if you give them a big welcome. Thank you all for coming. So I'm going to ask you guys to tell us who you are and where we might see you around church. Why don't we start with you, Christina, since you're ready. I am Christina Hearn. I am 41 years old, and I am in the Life Spring Sunday School class, and we are like one leg in the young adults, the other leg in median adults. Next year, we're getting kicked out. Welcome. I mean, we're promo- we're being promoted. Um, right now we just get to go to a lot of breakfasts for both. Um, and I, my husband, John Hearn right there, we have a, uh, going into second grade, seven-year-old son, 
and a going into eighth grade 13 year old daughter. And just for the record, he did not tell me this was a panel on aging. He asked if I would share my experience having been a young adult for my entire young adult life at First Baptist. That's all he told me. I'm Kristen Prasad and minister to kids and families. Um, I am thankful to report that I am on the upswing because I'm 48.6. So 47.2 is in my past. I have experienced the lowest of lows, apparently. So that's good. Um, I have three children who are 28, 26, and 23. It's bad when you have to think about it, right? Do the math to figure out. Um, and in eight weeks, I will become a grandmother, which is really exciting. So that's like a whole new stage of life. Um, and I would say one of the ways that you can stay feeling young is to hang around with kids all the time. So I highly recommend that. And you, you can find me there most Sunday mornings. Do you have applications for them to sign up to serve? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm John Holloway. I'm 72. I uh, am Mimi, or excuse me, I'm Pops, to uh, seven energetic, wonderful, almost perfect grandchildren. Um, we have just spent time together, and uh, we enjoy coming home and getting our rest. Uh, but uh, I, I love both worship services, so I really lean more toward the 806 worship. I like the praise music. I love the generation that I get to worship with and uh, connect with. And I have um, not joined a senior adult Sunday school class for lots of reasons, but one of which I enjoy being a part of the younger group. Elaine, thank you for letting me be in class periodically along with a couple of other classes that we attend. So we're floaters. Jane and I have been married 49 years. We have uh, two daughters. Uh, one is 40 and one is uh, 37. All right. So if you all will briefly share any insight you have on this topic or anything that you would add to what I shared earlier, and particularly uh, Christina and Kristen, um, you know, I talked about men, but what's the experience like for women maybe if, if you could add something to that? Well, it depends on what day you ask me. Some days I'm really cool with aging, and it's actually, there's a lot of perks and a lot of great things about it. Um, and then, of course, there's other days when, you know, you didn't sleep well and something's hurting or whatever that may be. Uh, okay, so I don't know about women specifically, but I think in general, I just want to say that there are, there are as many things to look forward to about aging as there are to grieve about aging. And the loss is, is real. You know, you get to a point where you start to think, it's, um, you know, if, if I wanted, not that I'm thinking this, I promise, to change careers, like, it's probably too late to, like, do a whole redo right now. And that's not true for most of you. Or, you know, I have, I have raised my children, and, and so I'm in a, a new phase but there are some really great things too. Like I don't have to drive anybody back and forth to dance lessons every night anymore, you know? So like I, I have a little bit more time of my own and to spend with my husband. And um, we do a lot of things together on Friday night. We got a call from friend, a text from friends, hey, you want to go see a band, eat, eat out? And we could just do that, which is not necessarily something you can do in the in-between when you're parenting or tied down to other things. 
So there is a freedom in aging too. And I'm looking forward to grandparenting too, because, you know, we get all the best parts of them and then you send them home to get the, the discipline at home. Uh, so, so I just want to say that, that, that part of it is in your perspective. So if you can adopt a perspective that for every, for every loss, there is something gained as well, then I think that will help you to have a more positive outlook on the process. Um, Even if, let's say you're young and you don't have kids yet, and so you, it's kind of a similar time of life, but you don't have as much money. So it's, that's true. So, so you get to enjoy that side of the equation as well. Yeah, there's a little more freedom once you know you've done all the saving for college that you're ever going to have to do, and you know all of that. So that is is positive. I think perspective is really really key. I was blessed with a mother whose such positive attitude was ingrained into me, and so I always see life half full and stuff half empty. I understand the half empty. Uh, I do. But I don't waste a lot of time on changing things I can't change. I'm getting older. I can't do anything about that. I've been to St. Augustine. I've dropped from the Fountain of Youth. Uh, we lived in Florida 21 years. We were around the sunbathers and bodybuilders and I can't do anything about that. But what I can do something about, I should really invest in. Uh, earlier, you mentioned the word happiness. Scripture teaches the word joy. And there's a difference between the two. If happiness is built around events, happenings, then we're, we're not, we're not going to know the same thing if we do, if we know joy. So I find joy in life. I find joy in connections. I find joy in people. I find joy in, a, in a every day. So I think perspective is really important. And keeping people around you, we'll talk about mentoring here in a minute, but keeping people around you who will speak into your life and not cut you any slack. I understand people go through periods of grief and mourning, and, and but if you just live in that world, that's just not a good place to be as a believer in Christ. We, we have so much. God gives us so much. We have so much to offer the world. And there is so much talent in this room and so many relationships. And if you all would spend some time getting to know each other. See, I can say a lot of things at 72. I can't say at 46 and 48.6. Um, but life is a great gift. If you capture it, if you live it, if you look forward to it and at some point in the future real quick my 93 year old mother is probably going to move into our home now we don't know when that's going to be but it's some, it's down the road somewhere we know that's going to happen and james dad's 95 still lives he lives in skilled nursing and uh we were, have been around two people this week and they have said to jane boy that's really going to be tough and, and and I understand all of that. But the reality of it is, within a, another year, Grammy is going to move in with her. So I choose to say, okay, how are we going to deal with this? Not, woe is me in the middle of all that. So I just, back to my point, perspective of how you engage life is really, really important to your attitude, to your, depending on your faith and your journey and keeping people around you who will speak into your life and encourage you. 
And the operative word for a grandparent, yes. Okay. And what a blessing that you're a, in a place where you can care for them, you know? Yeah, I would add just uh, something that I didn't share earlier. At least for me, my bottom of my you was earlier in life, at least I hope. Uh, I think it was in my, my late 30s. Uh, I would say I'm I'm on the other side of of that, or at least at least I'm on the other side of something. A word that you would not have used of me, and ask my wife, a word you would not have used of me in my 20s and my 30s was content. And I do. I really I feel just I, I'm content with life. I, I I I was always a dreamer. I was always like I'm going to do this in five years or 20 years or whatever. And I really people will say like, what do you want to do? And I, I really haven't thought much about life beyond the next six months. And I'm okay with that, except for retirement. I'm thinking more about that and, you know, making sure I'm putting enough away. But other than that, like, I mean, just, it is, it's, it's perspective. And I think it, for me, I think it has come with age and it has come with what I've experienced in life. But that, that was just one thing I didn't say earlier. So Christina, uh, first, I want to read you the text I sent you. Uh, hey, this summer we're doing a, a couple of panels. I would like you to be on the panel on aging. <laughs> You've already forgotten, so walk us through how you feel about that. I'm yep. just kidding. Okay, so, so today is not one of those days, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no, the reason I asked you was that, like, you have walked through every stage of, of what a young adult in our young adult ministry is. You, I mean, you were in college, you were post-college, you were newly married, you were a new parent, and now you're beginning to be a new meeting an adult you're you're like on the on the precipice of, of going into that so is there anything that you would now say to yourself at any of the previous stages of your time in fbc young adults well you actually stole my word um contentment was what i was going to talk about um i think back of every stage of my life you know when i was young um you know just coming out of college what am i going to do with my life what are my ho my hopes and dreams and then you know, dating and then eventually finding a, a, a partner. Um, I, I never felt content. And, and I agree with you. I'm finally at a place where I do feel content. Um, and that's the one thing that I would would have spent more time on, trying to be content where I was in that point in life. Um, and it's always a good reminder that, you know, our life is not what we want it to be necessarily. It's what God wants it to be for us. And so a lot of times the things that we think we want or we think we need, um, those plans get changed and are out of our control. Um, so th th that's the big advice, especially for those of y'all who are much younger than I am, is to just try to learn to be content with where you are, whether it's your job, your relationships, your friendships, um, and then also be involved in church more. I mean, I was a little involved, but I could have put more effort and work into it um, and, and, and from a, a volunteer level, just not coming to church for what it can do for me, but what can I do for my church? Because I promise you, it will do a lot for you too. Um, and then of course, wear sunscreen. I would have worn a lot more sunscreen. That's good. That, and that's, that's a good piece of advice. We have about five more minutes I want to discuss with us. And then I've got, I want to take some questions from the audience, but I uh, so John, can you uh, briefly share with us, because uh, I have one more question I want to ask you, Kristen, but John, can you share with us from your experience about the importance of relationships, how they've gotten you through, or how maybe you would encourage young adults to seek out 
mentoring relationships with older adults? Sure. Uh, relationships have always been important and intentional in my life. I'm hardwired that way. I love to meet people. I, uh, so I'm grateful for that. But early on in life, my father abandoned our family. And so finding people to invest in my life became critical. My mom helped do that, but there were people in the community. Our faith community came around me and helped me do that. So I'm a 72-year-old who has always sought out older adult relationships. Part of my challenge right now is that that market of older people is much, much smaller. But this year, since we've been back in Huntsville, three years now, but since we've been back, two of those people that I've had a relationship with for almost 40 years have passed away. I don't have that person in my life right now, so I've just come to the reality maybe I'm that person for somebody else now. But having those people in the faith community investing in my life, speaking in my life, challenging me, encouraging me, has been such a huge benefit. And for reasons that you're doing today, and that is that there were people that I could talk to. There were people who would encourage me in my faith. There were people who I could talk to about family issues, marriage. There were people that would talk to me about health issues. If a man lives long enough, he's going to have prostate cancer. If you have prostate cancer, you got to figure out how you're going to deal with that. Are you going to do pellet implant? Are you going to have surgery? And, you know, some of you are looking at me like, whoa, yeah, but it's coming. But having people who can speak into your life about the different phases of life, about marriage, is really, really important. With that, I would say that I have been blessed to be a part of mentoring relationships. I'm in mentoring relationships now with two people that have just, it has, it's blessed my life. I mean, one is in this group here today, and uh, we meet every Monday morning at uh, 8.30 here at church. And uh, we just talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, we've just, we've spent time together, and he's asked me some questions about leadership. He's asked me some questions about parenting and about being a husband, and I've asked him questions about the same thing. Because I think a good mentoring relationship is also a mutually mentoring relationship. And there are things that I don't understand about your generation, but I'm not going to walk away from the opportunity to learn about that. So Bob's helped me see that and understand that, and I'm very grateful for that. If you want to seek out a relationship, and I would encourage, years ago, Stephen Farrar wrote a book called Point Men. And the, the emphasis of that is, your job as the head of your family is to be the point man for your family. You are to engage the enemy. That was the analogy. And uh, and I would just say that you need some people to help you navigate this. And in the book, Stephen says, only about, uh, most men only have about two people they can talk to. I was flabbergasted when I read that. And I got a group of men together and said, is this really true? Is it? And they all began to shake their heads. And I'm going, really? Because that was not my story. And I would say to every one of you men in here, you would benefit and the person that you would get to connect with you would benefit from a relationship with you. You have something to offer. They may have something to offer. But if you could figure out a way to connect with another believer, an older person who could speak into your life, 
I think the benefits of that are so significant for both parties. And I would ask you to pray about that. Interview some people. Talk to some guys. Just meet them for coffee one day or Coke or Bojangles burger in the not burger, but a sandwich in the back. But just see if there's a if there's something in that relationship that you think you could benefit from. Then if you decide you want to do that, commit to it. Just commit that you're going to get together consistently and intentionally over a period of time. Because what I've learned in my mentoring relationship is I've learned a new person to respect. I've learned a new person to love and to value. And hopefully I've been able to do that for, you know, the two guys that I'm involved with. So uh, I just, I'm a firm believer in, in it. It has huge, huge benefits. All right. Uh, Kristen, not long ago, you went through your own young adult phase, and now you're the parent of young adults. What do you see that's similar? What do you see that's different? And what is different about meeting adult ministry? What do we have to look forward to? And maybe you already kind of spoke to this, but would you add anything? Yeah, first let me say, yeah, sunscreen and put money in your retirement accounts. Those will make you feel better <laughs> when you're older. <laughs> um, it is really fun to be the the parent of young adults. And it is interesting watching how different your experience is from, from my experience. And one of the best things that my, all three of my children have two of them here, one in another state um, that I did not have is a community of other young adults in their church. So I, we were very active in our church, but we were outliers where we were. And so we were always the ones who had to explain what it meant to be a young adult to the rest of our congregation and you all have each other, and that is, a, that is a phenomenal gift. And so take advantage of that and live in community um, as, as much as you can. Uh, you also, your lives are so much more public than mine ever was. Um, we didn't, you know, we were, were not putting everything on social media. We didn't have that pressure to be on the people we interacted with on a day-to-day -day basis uh, for our lives to be, uh, you know, postable. Um, so it, it is interesting watching, and, and my kids have, for the most part, decided that they just aren't interested in being a part of that, so they don't engage with social media very often. But it's a very real thing and, and something that you all are going to have to, uh, that you are navigating right now um, that is very different. You've heard this before. Rem remember, before you put anything out there, that it is going to be there until you are old and gray. <laughs> um, somebody can find it, so just be cautious. <laughs> Old and gray. Yeah, I'm getting there. Um, Christina mentioned something about, you know, enjoying the where you are. And I, so when I pick up a book to read, I'm always anxious to know how it turns out to get to the end of it. But savor the chapters in your book because each moment, whether it is in your 20s, you know, a lot of times you're, you want to know what's next, who will I, who will I marry you, where will I end up with my career, all of those things. But don't forget that now has joy in the moment, whether, whether you're single or in a relationship or your children are young or older, enjoy those moments as they come um, because there, there are things in each of those they they are fleeting and you hear that and you you know and then you get to be our age and you say yeah it's really true but it really is true i think i missed one part of what you asked 
No, I think you, I think you covered it. Well, well. Obedient adults. Yeah. Oh, obedient yeah. Adults. Okay. So Holly does a fantastic job of being our our median adult minister, and she offers um, opportunities similar to the things that John offers y'all to get together. There are there are Bible study opportunities, there are fun opportunities, you know, trash pandas games, there are marriage retreats. Because of this trend that you talked about with divorce rates rising in people who are older, she is very intentional about helping foster healthy married relationships. Um, date nights, things like that. So there are lots of opportunities for fellowship, fun, and faith building in media and adults. And there are lots of opportunities when you become a media and adult to volunteer to help with the young adult ministry. And to serve. And the kids. Or the kids and students. (laughs) Yeah. Or the experienced adults. I got to teach them last week. So let's take a, uh, let's answer some questions real briefly. Okay. You're going to have challenges in your marriage. Some of them are going to be very, very, very difficult. There could be health challenges. There could be child issues. There could be uh, dependency issues. There could be uh, extended family issues. There could be infidelity. And I'm saying to all couples, fight through it. The blessing of the challenge is the victory on the other side. And it's so easy. Your culture is telling you if somebody's unfaithful, somebody's not measuring up, that is to walk away and find somebody else. And I'm saying to you, stay. Stay and work through it because that's where the victory comes on the other side. That's where you see the blessings of God at work. And keep a faith community around you that will encourage you to do that.